Our New Testament reading tonight is taken from the Gospel of Luke. Hear now the word of the Lord. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to, the town, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those to whom, on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Chip and Joy. And thank you again to our young performers, Karis and Leo, Julius, Arthur, and Noah for giving us our pre-service music. Let's give them a hand one more time. They all did an amazing job. I am pretty sure a day is coming when George will be one of those young performers playing pre-service music. He's been doing impromptu musical performances for us at home for a good long time already. This is one of them. This is one of them from way back in July of 2022. Yes, almost 18 months ago. We have a, an aficionado on his way. It's a jazzy little number that I like to call diaper time jazz. George is here in the room right now with mom and his big sisters, and there are few things he loves more than seeing himself in pictures and in video. And so I suspect he enjoyed that more than all of you. On Tuesday morning, sitting with George as he ate his breakfast before taking him to school, to daycare, a New York Times alert popped up on my phone, and it was an article, 2023 in pictures. And I clicked on it. And clicking on my phone, sitting at the breakfast table with George, is always interpreted as me opening the camera app on my phone. And once in a while during breakfast, I will, you know, let George look at himself on my phone in camera selfie mode and take a picture to send it to grandma and grandpa or to his big sisters or to Kim if she had to leave early for work. And as already mentioned, he, he loves seeing himself in pictures and videos. And he said, Georgie, see? 
he always refers to himself in the third person, we're working on that. Um, and I said, no, I'm not taking pictures, I'm looking at pictures, which prompted the same question. Georgie C., some of the pictures were beautiful and stunning, like this group of young people playing in the surf at Yoff Beach near Dakar in Senegal, West Africa. And this picture of Stryker, a Westminster dog show favorite who retired just last year. And these four friends at the annual UFO Days celebration in Elmwood, Wisconsin. But most of the pictures, I wouldn't have wanted George to see. And I won't show them here now because I know we have a lot of littles in our midst tonight. The full title of the New York Times article was 2023 in Pictures, A Weary World. We actually didn't look at any of the pictures, George and I. I just turned off my phone and tried to distract him with a question, which was this. Can daddy have a bite of your breakfast sausage? And the answer is always no. That boy loves his breakfast sausage. But later that day, I opened up the New York Times article. Honestly, I had forgotten how devastating of a year it has been. I'll describe just a few of the photos. The photos were arranged chronologically from January through December. One photo in early February was of a three-year-old girl being rescued from the debris of a collapsed building after the devastating earthquake in Turkey and Syria that claimed more than 50,000 lives. Another was from March, and it pictured an elementary-aged girl, her hand pressed against the inside of a school bus window where she sat, terrified and in tears, after a mass shooting had just taken place at her school. Another, which I will show in just a moment, was from August, and it showed the mass destruction caused by the brutal wildfires that tore through Maui, and one house that somehow miraculously survived unscathed. But most of the pictures were of war in Ukraine and Gaza, pictures of soldiers, panicked civilians, pictures of casualties, and of many grieving family members. There is a quote that we have shared in some form or fashion almost every Advent season since Ecclesia began, and it comes from N.T. Wright's book, For All God's Worth, and he writes this, Christmas is God lighting a candle, and you don't light a candle in a room that's already full of sunlight. You light a candle in a room that's so murky that the candle, when lit, reveals just how bad things really are. In the beautiful passage from the book of Isaiah that was read for us earlier by Heather, the prophet longs for the day when every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. Why are we not there yet? May God hasten that day. It seems to me this dream is getting further away and not closer. In the gospel reading, when the shepherds are out in the fields watching their sheep, they are met with a host of angels crying out, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. So help me out here. Can someone recite for me just the first few words of John 3:16? There you go. For God so loved the world. So follow-up question. In light of those words, for God so loved the world, upon whom does God's favor rest? 
the whole world, which includes Israelis and Palestinians, Russians and Ukrainians, Americans and Canadians. God's favor rests upon us all, all of us. And yet, we are nowhere near experiencing peace on earth. The New York Times article was well named, 2003 in pictures, a weary world. It is indeed a weary world. This weariness and lack of peace was actually a recurring theme in each of our Advent candle lighting moments this month. Three weeks ago, Pastor Greg spoke about hope in the midst of wars and political turmoil and family strife. The following week, Lindsay Stevenson talked about how it is only superficial peace that is free from pain and discomfort. Real peace is far more honest than that. Real peace is truthful enough to feel the pain and discomfort and weightiness of life, but somehow isn't shattered by it. And in the Advent moment just this past Sunday, Heather McClendon beautifully taught us about sober joy, which is joy in the face of and despite all of the difficulties of life. And as Heather said last week, sober joy, it is the nevertheless that the psalmists often refer to. Nevertheless, I am with you and you hold my right hand. Jesus, the one born in Bethlehem in the city of David, knew all about pain, discomfort, political turmoil, and the weightiness and difficulties of life. For those of you who grew up in a church context, there are some words that are commonly spoken by the pastor at the beginning of Holy Communion. The pastor will often pick up the elements, the bread and the cup, and he or she will recite a particular verse. It's from 1 Corinthians where Paul says, the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed. Yes, on the night he was betrayed. I want to say when I hear those words, which night? Because Jesus had a lot of those nights that fit this description. Was it in John 10 where some people are so ticked off by his words that scripture tells us again his Jewish opponents picked up stones to kill him? The word again, obviously implying, this wasn't the first time. Or was it in Luke 4 when the people of his hometown drove him to the outskirts of town to a cliff in order to throw him off? Or was it in Matthew 12 or Mark 3 or Luke 22 or the nine other gospel references where we read about the religious leaders scheming and plotting together on how to arrest and kill him? On the night he was betrayed, which night? It's not an unreasonable question. And these are just the specific personal betrayals of Jesus and not the larger systemic betrayals of his life and of his way, like how the religion and politics of his day unapologetically functioned by using economic exploitation and social hierarchies, declaring some lives as more valuable than others. There is a reason why God chose shepherds to receive the birth announcement of good news that would be great joy for all people, a savior and Messiah who would bring peace on earth. Peace on earth and great joy for all people sounds like an end to injustice, which is great news for shepherds who live at the bottom of the social ladder. 
It is no wonder they race off into town to see this thing that has happened. But this is less good news for the religious and political leaders. In a world of haves and have-nots, when you are the haves, news of great joy for all people is rarely welcome news. Had this news been announced to them, their reaction would not have been, let's go see this thing that has happened. It would have been, let's go stop this thing that has happened. Entering a world that was so opposed to him and experiencing so much betrayal and rejection during his life, how did Jesus keep going? I think if we can answer this question, perhaps we will learn how we can keep going as well. Kira and Megan and I used to play the board game Settlers of Catan quite a lot back in the day. And yes, we painted, painted the robber icon to look like a maitre d' uh, penguin. Technically, he was a maitre d' penguin assassin, but that's for another story. If you have ever played the game, you know that it can be a game where it is evident fairly early on, winning is not your path. Which turns the game into an extended experience of losing. I believe Megan has mostly outgrown this now. She's 23, almost 24, but years ago, when she was much younger, like 22, she was not very Jesus-like when playing board games. She did not keep going. She would mess up the board and walk away. When everything is stacked against you, it is hard to stay in the game. I love you, Megan. This is where you're supposed to say, I love you too, Dad. There we go, thank you, all right. I am a big fan of the late author and Presbyterian minister, Frederick Buechner. You've already heard two quotes of his tonight. He died just last year at the age of 96, and in his memoir, The Longing for Home, he writes a chapter about wholeness that I think gives us a clue to what kept Jesus in the game. I love his definition of wholeness. It is wholeness, he argues, that allowed Jesus to see and experience with complete clarity the tragic and terrible things happening around him and yet not be shattered by them. Wholeness, according to Buechner, believes and trusts the divine mystery that beneath all of the broken and unholy things, the kingdom of God is buried like a treasure buried in a field, or like leaven that is working through dough, or a seed that is germinating in the earth. Wholeness has eyes to see and trust that this divine mystery is present even when it's dark. Wholeness sees the darkness, but lives out of a deep conviction that the darkness isn't the sum total of all there is. And this includes the darkness that we see even in ourselves. The darkness around us and the darkness in us is not the sum total of all we are or of all that is possible. Quoting Buechner, seeds, fields, leaven, the human heart, all of them carry within them something of the holiness of their origin. It is the wholest and realest part of their reality and of ours. 
In the closing scene of Jesus' life, Jesus cries out to God on behalf of his executioners saying, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Even in this moment, Jesus lives into this conviction that the people who put him on the cross are far more than this terrible moment and this terrible act that they are committing. Perhaps wholeness is more than this, but I don't think it is less than this. On Thursday, I went back to the New York Times Post 2023 in pictures. The lighthearted ones were still lighthearted and the dark ones were still dark. But with the ones that displayed the ugliest side of our world, I engaged in a little liturgy, repeating a simple mantra. The darkness is not all there is. Beneath all that is broken, the kingdom of God is buried like a treasure. Each of us carries with us our own version of 2023 in pictures. And some of the photos are light and joyful and silly, and others are dark and hard, and perhaps we need to speak a similar mantra into our own lives. Tonight, we celebrate the birth of the Christ child, and just as it was 2,000 years ago, this is still good news that will cause great joy for all people, because friends, the darkness is not all there is. He is still being born in us and through us. He is still in the process of arriving. May we live into the deep conviction that beneath all that is ugly and unholy, even in our own souls, there is more. There is something of God, our source. The kingdom of God is indeed like a seed germinating in the earth. And that seed is indeed bursting forth. Let's pray. Holy God, like your son, may the tragic and terrible not shatter us, but may we be buoyed by the hope that the darkness is not all there is. May your son continue to be born in us and through us and into our world. May your kingdom continue arriving until all is healed and all is set to rights. We love you, Jesus. Amen.